Hello and welcome to another Out of This World episode of Say by the 90s. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today is a guy who's always wanted to believe, Ken Bakley. Hey, Ken. Hello. This month on the show, we're going to be taking a look at alien movies, alien invasion movies. We got two dramas, two comedies. There were a ton of alien movies in the 90s. I mean, I guess it was probably the X-Files that really propelled that topic. But I, I don't know if that was it exactly or, or what, but there were so many alien movies that came out. Also, there was a really big, and I'm already like, we're like two seconds in and I'm already getting off on a tangent here. That's what this show's but about. We could we do tangents. I don't know. Are you familiar with the, there was this alien autopsy video that was big in the 90s? Yeah, I mean... A while ago, I just fell into this crazy research rabbit hole of learning about, like, the history of the Fox network (laughs) as this just, and just their, I mean, always been a crazy network, but just their first 15 years were just completely out of control. And that was kind of a, that that was kind of something that stayed with me (laughs) learning about. the, (laughs) The alien autopsy video, like that, I think was also something that really helped, uh, fuel the whole extraterrestrial craze that was happening in the 90s but yeah so we we definitely had a lot to choose from and i think that the uh the four that we picked are pretty solid so i think that what we're gonna do it actually works out mm-hmm. if you go in chronological order of these you got your yeah, two dramas yeah. you got your two dramas and then your two comedies mm-hmm. so i think we'll we'll kick it off with uh, the dramas and we're going to, we're going to start big here. We're going fire in the sky from 1993. Some say that we are not alone in the universe. Others say intelligent life surrounds us. Paramount pictures presents the true story of one man. Just may know for sure. They took him. Fire in the Sky, based on the Travis Walden case, rated PG-13, starts Friday, March 12th at theaters everywhere. So this is directed by Robert Lieberman. I have a synopsis here. An Arizona logger mysteriously disappears for five days in an alleged encounter with a flying saucer in 1975. His co-workers endure ridicule and contempt as they are wrongly accused of murder. Now, this is based on a book written by the uh, the man in question here who was abducted by aliens. So this is a movie that I've talked about, I think, on this show before. I've talked about it on the, the regular uh, weekly podcast. Yeah. And you... it's, it's, it's one of the movies that now there weren't too many movies that gave me nightmares as a kid, but this mm-hmm. is one of them. Oh, yeah. This is a movie that gave me nightmares for several nights several sleepless nights for me uh fun just a fun fact the other ones were uh the first alien movie mm-hmm. interestingly i saw alien 3 first then i saw aliens then i saw alien 1 and alien 1 gave me nightmares mm-hmm. uh nightmare on elm street the original well it's in the title uh, yeah and um I think that that those were the big ones that I can remember that just kept that uh, I was too, way too young, just way too young to be experiencing movies like that. And I think the same could be said about Fire in the Sky. Now, this is a movie that's PG-13. I probably saw it when I was nine. That's that's young for this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's a little too young for this. I didn't see it in the theater or anything like that. I saw it. I saw it on home video. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it uh, it really it's just that final not that final scene, but like the, the yeah, uh, last 20 minutes or so. Yeah, the last 20 minutes where where it gets pretty, pretty wild, pretty wild <laughs> and crazy there towards the yeah. end. It, this is an interesting movie, though, because up until that point. It doesn't play out like your typical kind of alien abduction sci-fi movie. It's more this like uh, small town drama about these guys who are just trying to tell their story and clear their name. And everybody thinks that they're murderers. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very interesting how this movie is, is structured. 
where you have at the beginning, you know, you, you have the setup where it introduces all of these characters then you have them, you know, out doing their, doing their stuff and you have the alien abduction. But then after that, there's really nothing until, because what happens is the guy played by DB Sweeney, he disappears for five days mm-hmm. and then, and then he just shows up. And so during that time, you have the other crew members, the main, the, the leader of whom is played by Robert Patrick, and he happens to be the guy's best friend. And um, yeah, they're just trying to clear their names and, and not be in the spotlight. But once it gets out that this guy was supposedly abducted by aliens, of course, uh, you know, you got the tabloids and everything coming after them. Plus, there's a criminal investigation happening here because they thought he, that they uh, killed him. So kind of a just kind of an interesting movie overall, aside from the alien abduction stuff. Revisiting it now, I can totally see why I was horrified of of it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> because you don't uh, you don't really see it coming either. No, because up until up until that point, like it's a pretty tame movie. Yeah. The most of this movie is a fairly unremarkable, like small town drama, as you were saying, with a slight sci fi twinge to it. And then the last 20 minutes happens. Which uh, I believe that that the director of the movie kind of embellished what was written in the in the book. Yeah, for, for, from my understanding, the uh, the, the person on whom whose book on whom this is based always harbored some misgivings on this movie not being an adaptation of the content of his book in any meaningful way once it comes to that i kind of get it on one Mm -hmm. hand because that's what really makes this this movie kind of stand out yeah because aside from from that it's just like you said it's like there's it's pretty unremarkable Mm -hmm. and now i haven't read the book or anything so I, i don't know how crazy it gets but something tells me that it more so focuses on the uh like how this event affects him mm-hmm. mentally and emotionally and how it affects the town and all of that stuff. They do touch on that. Like he clearly after, you know, whatever happened, he endured some sort of trauma and mm-hmm. that is evident in the movie. And he clearly has some PTSD happening. I feel like they probably could have got into that a lot more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it probably would have made it more competent if they, if they did dive into that more. Uh, but the the alien abduction stuff, like the experiments, that that whole scene when he like wakes up in that pod, and it's yeah. just so grisly and like gross and mm-hmm. unsettling, and especially when like they put that like latex sheet on him and stretch it over it, and they <laughs> yeah. put those the 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 like squirting the like milk or whatever in his eyes and. Mm-hmm. It's wild, man. Yeah. It's, to this day, it's still pretty visually disturbing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That is kind of the, 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 the core of my feelings about this movie. It's a mostly unremarkable movie in many senses of the word until the last 20 minutes, which uh, I suppose you could uh, uncharitably make the case that it's out of place. But in another reading, it does make the movie very memorable because it is very effective and very imaginative and uh, very unsettling. It's yeah, it's just a bizarre, it's just kind of a bizarre movie. I, I, I can't compare this movie to any other like sci-fi movie of, of this ilk. Like it's just, it kind of stands on its own just because of how lopsided it is with the sci-fi elements. It's it, just... it, it, it has the feeling of a movie whose shooting script was very much 26 drafts uh, smushed together. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Mm-hmm. I liked it overall, though. Like, I, I enjoyed... I thought that the... I liked the characters. I liked the... The focus on the the group and like kind of the mistrust and all of that stuff. I mean, without that, you don't really have any kind of story at all. So they kind of had to 
include that stuff. Yeah, there's some interesting dynamics there. But overall, like, I'm glad I revisited it. I wanted to for a long time. And I realize now that, like, you know what? I wasn't a little, like, a little wiener. I, I probably, it's probably okay in, that, in this case that I had nightmares from this movie. I, I, I think so. I think that's a completely understandable reaction to seeing it, especially as a young child. Yeah. Oh, the other one that I just remembered was Pee-wee's Big Adventure, the scene with Large Marge. She, that scene uh, also gave me nightmares. I don't know. Not as not as bad as not as bad as Fire in the Sky, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, the, the whole the whole thing I got when with watching the last uh, twenty minutes of this was yes, I am. I completely understand that that this could have a ruinous effect on someone who sees it at too at too young an age. <laughs> yeah. I would I would recommend checking this out. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it's uh, it's definitely interesting. It's it's not exactly what you would expect, and it is still like the true story of this is kind of interesting too. Like this guy did disappear for five days, and I don't know what exactly happened to him, but it is definitely mysterious. Mm-hmm. So there's that element of it as well. Even if even if the crazy alien experiments weren't exactly uh, how it went down, I share your uh, your takeaway here. I think it's definitely worth seeing once. Uh, it's it's certainly an interesting movie on a structural level to some extent, and uh, I think it's a good uh, a good start to this episode, which is a uh, um which is which is a milestone episode because this month. Uh, I forgot to mention this at the top, but it's the uh, this month is the fourth uh, anniversary of this podcast. I can't believe that. I know that's so wild. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this for four years. I know. So and there's never it's like an endless supply too. Like we're yeah. always. It, it's rare that we struggle to come up with a theme. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, for this month, you uh, I uh, I was listening to the uh, Film Pulse podcast from. The other week, and you offhandedly mentioned this movie in particular. Uh, yeah, yeah, this I movie said, was. Hey. <laughs> yeah, because because Kevin saw it for the first time recently, and mm-hmm. we were like, "Oh, got to yeah. revisit this." All right, yeah, uh, yeah. so that's fire in the sky. Let's move on to our second drama, The Puppet Masters, from Hollywood Pictures. They've come to our world <laughs> to invade our bodies. How many are you? <laughs> It has total control. Now, the only safe place left is in our minds. But that's where they'll be waiting. Shocker! Get it off him! Get it off him! Donald Sutherland, The Puppet Masters, rated R. Starts Friday, October 21st at a theater near you. This is directed by Stuart Orm. I have a synopsis here. The Earth is invaded by stingray-shaped alien slugs that ride on people's backs and control their minds. Now, I've th- I've never seen this movie. This is the first time watch for me. This came out in 1994. I remember the trailers for this and thinking that looks incredibly boring. Like that looks like the most boring movie because <laughs> because the trailers, at least the ones that I saw when I was young, they didn't show any aliens or anything like that. So it seemed like it was kind of an alien movie, but it also seemed like it was just this kind of generic political thriller. And I wasn't even sure as a kid, I didn't even really know that this was about aliens. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. Uh, we'll start with you though. What were your initial impressions of the puppet masters? I am generally unmoved by this movie. <laughs> it's basically a body snatchers ripoff. Like that's kind of what yes. we're what we're looking at, you know. They they the only difference is that they actually control the people rather than like cloning them or whatever. They just stick their little uh, stinger things in in people's backs and like run them up through into their brains and then control them. That's why it, they're the puppet masters. You see, it it, it is pretty remarkable. I think that. Uh, We've already talked about uh, the uh, Abel Ferrara body snatchers on this podcast. We've already talked about Independence Day on this podcast. 
and yet from when i was listening to the film pulse podcast and uh kevin had just seen this movie and you mentioned that you wanted to do uh a saved by the 90s with with that movie and we were so quickly or you were really so able to so quickly come up with a bunch of movies that fit this format and i was thinking about that as i was watching this movie and thinking there were so many movies in the 90s that fit this category that you could have just completely unremarked upon movies like this one. Oh, that, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just feel so derivative to what was being made before it. Exactly. And, you know, the, you know this this has some... Uh, Donald Sutherland's in here. He's probably the, the biggest name. And I like his character in this, but also the moment that they showed him with a cane and like limping, I was like, Oh, well that's, they're very, they're very clearly showing us that because later on he's going to get, one of them is going to control him and he's going to stop limping. And that's how we're going to know. Mm-hmm. And that, of course that's exactly what happens. A lot the, of, <laughs> yeah, this, this movie does not exactly, uh, excel at subtly setting things up. No, no, no. This is a this movie's ridiculous. The I'll 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 just here here's how ridiculous this movie is. So you you have your opening scene where the you know the aliens land and then they take o- they immediately start taking people over. And then you have this like government group basically like the X-Files. They get sent in to take a look and see what's going on here. And the, the, the Julie Warner plays the, uh, the love, she's the love interest. She is the, you know, the Scully, the agent Scully, basically in this, in this scenario. And she's like, yeah, there's, there's something wrong with these people. There's, there's something definitely off. And like, they immediately knew that these people were like being controlled by the aliens because none of the men were looking down her shirt. Yeah. And not only uh, that, not only that, but they come back to it later and use that as a test when they're trying to determine if one of these other guys has been like taken over. Like (laughs) that's their test. That that was completely (laughs) uncalled for. It was so ridiculous. And I, I also do love the, how unbelievably fast that whole series of events escalates where they go Mm -hmm. into like the radio station and you know, she's like pulling down her blouse or whatever. And the guy and the, like the DJ is not looking. And then they're like, Oh, he's compromised. And like immediately it turns into this action scene where they're just like beating the crap out of everybody in the town. And it was just such a weird thing. And And then it made me realize like all the action sequences in this movie are so poorly done. That, mm-hmm. that like clearly whoever was working on these action sequences just had no like they were way out of their depth because they're so horribly choreographed and random and just awful. None of the, the none of these people had any emotion during these scenes. So so they're just like they're like shooting people. They're like beating people up. But, but like they're all just doing it so nonchalantly. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I thought it's was. The- it's the most low stakes alien invasion movie. <laughs> yeah. Just, Nobody cares that it's happening. It's so crazy. And then you have the main guy played by Eric Thal. And you know, they're they're trying to they're trying to get this thing under control. Like they know that that the town is becoming infected and he gets infected somehow. Which is also that that leads me to another tangent about how easily these creatures are able to attach to you. Like, it's just, it's like nothing when, when Donald Sutherland gets, when it gets him, there's, we see what happens. There's literally a scene where some rubble falls on him and somehow he gets infected. Like these things aren't like tiny bugs. They're like these, they're like stingrays. Like, how does it, how is it able to like get on his back and like, get him that quickly it's just it's so ridiculous so eric thal gets infected by this thing and then there's this whole sequence where they're like trying to get him and they capture him they're going on and on throughout this whole movie about how 
oh, we don't know how we don't know how like you can get it off without killing the host. And they say this literally after they pulled the thing off of Eric Thal's character. Mm-hmm. And he's fine, except for this like really ridiculous shower scene where he just like goes in the fetal position in the shower. Yeah, it's it's like one of the few times where the movie tries to imply that these characters uh, might be human beings with human emotions and human reactions, and it doesn't know how to do it. No, the sh- the shower scene is laughable. How he just like breaks down and starts like rolling on the shower floor and then julie warner's character comes in and like she just like runs into the shower she's like fully clothed but like embracing him and and then they start this they do this like weird kind of kissing thing it's very uh unpleasant to watch but i just can't get over how they're like we need to figure out how to get these things off without killing them and it's like that that already happened not only that but then uh the julie warder's character gets infected and they and that one is even more ridiculous how he gets it off of her and she's just she's just normal mm. like he eric Dahl's character almost dies when they try to get it off of him but with uh julie warner who seems to have it she's like infected even longer than he is and he just like rips it off and she's she's fine and dandy. She's ready to go. It's just it's just everything about this is just so poorly put together. Like it's just a bad script. I yeah, I, I this is the one where I just thought about it and I like I don't really have much to add about this movie. It's just it's just not it's not compelling. Uh, but yeah, by the way, the way that Julie Werner, uh, her her character's name is Mary. The way that Mary gets infected is somehow one of them attaches to the guy's cat and then transfers to her, which makes absolutely no sense uh, whatsoever. Yafet Kodo is in this for like one scene, and I think he has like one line, so I'm not sure why he's even in it. Uh, I think that Yafet Kodo deserves way better than what they had him doing in this movie. Mm. Richard Belzer's in here too. He plays one of the agents uh, that's investigating the thing, but he gets infected like right away. Somehow again, how did he get infected? It's just, it's just so convenient for these people to be just getting infected left and right. Also, Everyone is so inept. I felt like what I was watching here, I felt like I was watching the the U.S.'s response to COVID-19. That's what I thought that I was watching because they're, they're like, okay, we need to seal off this town so it doesn't get out. But of course it already got out. But then like everybody, like all the army people that sealed the town, they all get infected. It's so easy to, to figure out if somebody's infected or not. They just yeah. pull their shirt down. They don't even have to take their shirt off completely. You just pull it down a little bit because it's, sh- if you're infected, you see it. It's in your, it's on the back of your neck. Yeah, so yeah. there's no complicated lab work that has to be done to figure out <laughs> yeah. someone. You, you, it, you could just set up big stations to test people for this. I mean, they, they did a better job of testing for an alien infection in the thing and that you needed blood for. And they did a better <laughs> job. Like it, it was, it's, mind-boggling how these people fumbled this in such a way like they almost it's, got the president killed mm-hmm. it's there's so much to this movie that almost becomes funny but it just does not have the life to it to do that <laughs> yeah it's in this strange place for a movie of its of its ilk because it's not good no it could no. almost become funny it's not <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it, there it's are just, some moments like the shower scene and stuff where it's like uh, an unintentionally funny type of situation. Like, I, I think like Donald Sutherland actually like actually he tries. Yes, like, he he's, does. He's trying. In this I enjoy movie. that. I and enjoy I like, his performance. Like I said, I like his character, but it's just like everything else is just so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, Keith David is in here too. I like his character in this also. Um, I thought he was. 
I thought he was funny. He was just doing his Keith David thing. Turns out the the way that you kill him is encephalitis. So that's that's what that's what kills him. It had mm-hmm. so like they also figured out they were like, oh well, we can just. It turns out that it it raises the host's body temperature to like a hundred and four degrees or something. So they were like laying out these giant heat maps across the town and stuff. And it's like, okay, well that's fine, but you can also just look at their neck. Like mm-hmm. that does it too. <laughs> you don't need uh, to be taking their temperature necessarily. Just look at their neck, dude. Like you'll mm-hmm. see it. Yeah. It's just, it's bad. It's, it's just a, a, a really poor body snatchers clone that, that I, I think the, the, uh, the Ferrara body snatchers is like far superior mm-hmm. to this. It's it's just a movie that exists without much direction. Like it 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 does not. It is not able to communicate any of its ideas in a meaningful way, uh, mainly because it does not appear to have them. And I would also say that Eric Falls as this like leading man is not something that really works either. Like I just didn't feel like he had the chops to carry a movie like this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I would skip, uh, I would skip this one. Yeah. I don't, I don't feel bad about not seeing it in 1994. I don't blame you. All right, let's move on and get into our first comedy of the month. We're talking about Mars Attacks. This Christmas. Mr. President, we're going to need to get you to safety. Should we go get plane? Sorry, ma'am. There's a tour going through here. Mars Attacks. They blew up Congress. <laughs> they want our planet. The just blew up the donut shop. Oh. They're after our women. My God. And if someone doesn't stop them. Why can't we all get along? They'll take everything. They ain't getting a TV. Mars Attacks, directed by Tim Burton. Yikes. Starts Friday, December 13th. This came out in 1996, directed by Tim Burton. I have a synopsis here. Earth is invaded by Martians with unbeatable weapons and a cruel sense of humor. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the weapons, unbeatable weapons, I don't know about that. They, they'd certainly do have a, <laughs> they certainly do have a cruel sense of humor. I, now... Before we get into this, uh-huh. I want to. I just want to read off the cast list here. Oh my god! Because <laughs> if you're not familiar the, with this the, movie, the opening credit to this movie feel like a joke. <laughs> yeah. If you're not familiar with this movie, here's who's in it. Uh, we have Jack Nicholson, Pierce Brosnan, Sarah Jessica Parker, Annette Bening, Danny DeVito, Glenn Close, Martin Short, Michael J. Fox. Tom Jones, Natalie Portman, Lucas Haas, Jim Brown, Lisa Marie, uh, Pam Greer, Jack Black. Probably missing some in there, too. And some of these people are only in this movie for about three scenes before they're vaporized by the Martians. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, Danny DeVito. I Danny DeVito's character in this is really funny, and he just he dies way too quick. Jack mm-hmm. Black's character dies very quickly, too. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, as a as a kid, I freaking loved this movie. So I was a big fan of Mars Attacks before the movie. I had a lot of the trading cards. So this, if you're not familiar, this was actually based on a series of trading cards released by Tops in, I think it was like the 60s, the early 60s, like 62, mm-hmm. 63. And then after that, it was like, they had other runs of cards and spinoffs. There was this dinosaurs attack series that they had and comic books. I was really into the Mars attacks comic books. Um, so yeah, I was like huge into the, the, uh, the, the property before this movie came out. So when, when it did come out, I was like, so into it. I had like the, the coffee table book that was like the making of this and everything. <laughs> but I, uh so yeah i i i loved it as a child and i think i think i still like it a lot today but we'll get your impressions first ken what were you what, what did you think of mars attacks i like this movie like even when i don't actually like it very much i just 
love it for being just so completely chaotic in a way that still exudes a lot of control over itself. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's way, like, I mean, it, it definitely tries to pack in so much. There's just so much going on that yeah. it it doesn't have the time to fully develop any one storyline. <laughs> so... There's so a degree to which, for me, sorry, uh, but, like, to which when I feel the movie doesn't work, it is also because it just can't develop its ideas, and probably that's because there's so much going on. Yeah. And and it, it also, like, this is based on a, a trading card, <laughs> yeah, you know, like... On- there's, there's not a lot to go off of. And I mean, I know that on the back of the cars, they had like little story moments and stuff. But yeah, to the, to the credit of Tim Burton, like he actually did pull in a lot of elements from the cards into this, which I thought was kind of cool, like that he did kind of stick to the source material the best he could. Yeah, um, it, it would be tempting to just kind of not do that because in terms of richness of source text that you have to work with based on trading cards is only giving you a little bit more than like based on a cereal box would. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be clear that the trading card series is amazing and the artwork is incredible. And I feel like there was just nothing like it to have these like gruesomely, like grisly violent cards in Mm -hmm. the early sixties. I think Mm -hmm. it's just something that was kind of unheard of. And I believe that they were pretty controversial when they came out. Com- comparing it to the cards to the movie, the movie is far tamer than mm-hmm. the cards were. You see but, a lot of people getting vaporized and stuff in this, but it's not gory, really. But still, uh, I I could see that the, that it it's just like... It's just thrillingly frightening enough that if you see this at the right age, you're going to be unsettled by it to a certain extent, I would imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Arguably, it's the second scariest movie we're talking about this month. <laughs> you know what? Uh, yeah, I agree. I agree that it that it definitely is. I think I think that it is. It has scarier moments than um, than the Puppet Masters for sure. Even though a lot of the the violence is very tongue in cheek and like it's darkly comedic. You know, pretty pretty much what you would expect from from Tim Burton, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I oh, also like I thought that the effects work was really impressive back in the day, and seeing it now, I was really wondering how the effects would hold up. And it's one of those movies where it's really CG heavy, but you know, because it's '90s CG, you're like, oh boy, this is not going to hold up. But the way that they animated it, it was almost like kind of cell shaded type. That result, the result is that it does still hold up because even though it's CG, it was cartoony. It wasn't trying to look realistic necessarily. Mm -hmm. And I think that that does a lot for it. I mean, obviously, it still looks more dated than if, you know, they were to do it today. But I'm still kind of impressed with with the uh, the effects work and the visuals. Yeah, it's it, it it's just the kind of movie where I I'm going to keep coming back to this but I'm just happy that it gets to be what it is. Uh j- just a, a a flawed but just so wonderfully chaotic piece of of filmmaking that is just so uh I think not only thinking about the source material which I'm not familiar with but also feels like it's uh responding to its own genre in a way that, that that's just so uh seamless in being able to communicate between that uh that it comes through e even uh when the actual like point-to-point details of the movie aren't that well fleshed out maybe yeah and there's definitely some things that i would i would change like first of all i would make it a period piece i would make it take place in probably the 50s Mm-hmm. just to really hammer in that kind of campy, you know, early sci-fi uh, cheesiness. Like, you know, like that, it's got, just that, that whole aesthetic. I, it's already got so much mid-century aesthetic to it already. Right, yeah. 
Uh, I would just double down on the on the whole camp aspect of it and then set it in the 50s. And I would probably eliminate some of the mm, more like goofier things. Like I, I, I think it's fine to have like the, the dark comedy in there. Like a, a good example is the scene when the spaceship, when, when the flying saucer uh, hits the uh, the Washington Monument and <laughs> and there's this like boy scout troop there and it it starts to fall opposite of where the boy scouts are <laughs> so the flying saucer goes and tips it back the other way so that it lands on top of them and you know i think that moments like that are 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 funny and work but there's other stuff like the like putting sarah jessica parker's head on the dog and that kind of thing i'm just like ugh. I don't know about that. Yeah, it's uh, uh, lots of uh, lots of movies presenting us with unexpected body horror this month. <laughs> just uh, just yeah. like the end of Fire in the Sky, and then this one at people's heads being transplanted around with dogs. It's uh, uh, yeah. Uh, I think one of my favorite r- running jokes in this movie uh, with the flying saucers is that the establishing shot is of Earth surrounded by flying saucers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they come back to that multiple times, and I laughed every time. Yeah, I, I th- yeah, there were definitely parts that that uh, I thought were really. I I liked the scene when you see it on the poster where it's the, one of the aliens dresses up as a human, what they think a human woman is, mm-hmm. and they seduced Martin Short. Like that that whole sequence, I thought was was funny. Yeah, that's uh. Yes, it, it's just also just great physical comedy acting there, too. And you, you have Jack Nicholson in here as a dual role. So he plays the president, but he also plays this uh, real estate. This this guy who's trying to open up a casino in Las Vegas. And the interesting thing is that that casino that they shot that in was that it was a real casino, I believe. And they actually did blow it up. Um, it was scheduled to be demolished, and so they just wrote that into the movie and mm. recorded it being demolished. Yeah. Works. Yeah. yeah anyway, I, 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 I still I, really enjoy this movie. I still think it's just kind of silly fun. I don't think it's a great movie, and I think, you know, 12-year-old me probably loved it a whole lot more than... 30 something me but mm. yeah but uh yeah i mean it's i i mean i just i do like that it, this is taking place in washington and in las vegas is two of the main hubs of action this movie because this is just i mean not only for the mid-century aesthetic uh, to it of kind of like uh the, the rise of las vegas as a tourist location but just like the gaudiness of it just makes it just mm. a perfect location oh yeah yeah <laughs> if you had to make it a contemporary setting like yeah vegas and dc are probably the two best places to kind of capture that americana mm-hmm. but yeah i would i would still recommend checking it out i think it's not it's not without its flaws it's definitely a messy movie but i still think that it is uh it's unique and it's worth a look i would say I love that the uh, Martians just communicate through saying ack, ack, ack. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, there can be movies that will be spent that could spend so much effort in trying to figure out what an alien would sound like communicating. And that this one just takes like the most, again, just the most like uh, corny and uh, silly way of doing it and just completely commits to it. It's just it's a sign of when this movie works really well, why it's doing it very well. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I like that, that whole uh, running gag about the translator, how, how they, <laughs> how they had the translator. Where I like... love that set piece, like, or the, like that piece of production design, the translator with all like the spinning pieces to it and the, and the, and the reel to reel tape. And it kept coming back to like, so <laughs> as they're, mur- as they're murdering everyone on the planet, they're just like, we become in peace and all that stuff. I think that's that's great. It's uh, wonderful stuff. 
All right, our final film this month is Galaxy Quest from 1999. Never give up, never surrender. From out-of-work actors. By the sons of Warvan, I shall avenge you. To outer space heroes. You will save us. Ah! We are actors, not astronauts. DreamWorks Pictures invites you to bravely go. Hi, little guy. Where no comedy has gone before. Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Galaxy Quest, rated PG. Starts Saturday, December 25th everywhere. This is directed by Dean Parasot. Is it Parasot or Pariso? I do not know. I'm going to say Parasot, whatever. I have a synopsis here. The alumni cast of a space opera television series have to play their roles as the real thing when an alien race needs their help. However, they also have to defend both Earth and the alien race from a reptilian warlord. Okay. Uh, probably the worst written synopsis so far. Yeah. Uh, the other ones were, were not too bad. This one. Yeah, but yeah, this it, one's it, not, not it, great. We usually can't get through a month without one of them. <laughs> Yeah, not working. Although you know, it's it's not it's not quite the classics that we've encountered in the past. Mm-mm. So, what did you think about Galaxy Quest? This is a movie that I admire, and there's a lot that I like about it, even though it's a satire of uh kind of something that I'm not really very well acquainted with because it's it is so kind of a I think satirizing like specifically fandom culture in a way that seems to be something and specifically as it revolves star trek which it is so clearly supposed to be yeah but it's like but even though i can't look at that and say yes this is this would be inherently just on its face something that a movie would be interested in seeing a uh, a comedy about the subject matter uh i still like it (laughs) yeah i like this movie a lot too i i think that it is it is very funny. I like the dynamic between this uh, this really good ensemble cast. Even if I'm not a big Tim Allen fan, I think that um, his, his he he does a good job as this character specifically in this one. But um, yeah, I'm not a big Star Trek fan either. But I am a fan of a lot of other <laughs> nerdy type of things, so I I can appreciate the what this what this movie's going for and i like the idea just the premise where it's yeah, like it's such a good uh, premise. It's, it, like, you know that's it, what it comes down to you, you have these like kind of washed up actors who were you know big on this old sci-fi show and they're forced to actually become these heroes uh reluctantly and save the galaxy or whatever so i liked all that i thought that that was really cool and I'm, uh yeah for the most part i think that this movie works I'm going to say going in, I did not really understand what this movie was about. Uh, But as soon as they introduced that, as soon as they set it up within about 10 minutes that you immediately, that I immediately was able to to say, oh, I know where this is going from here. Uh, And just the way that it sets that up very just effortlessly and matter of factly is uh, I appreciated quite a lot. It does not overly contort itself in trying to make that idea translate because <laughs> it doesn't need to yeah i i like i mean i think it was smart of them to open on the whole like convention thing and immediately dive into that that fandom that whole culture and i also like that when they first pull tim allen's character into space and like kind of tell him what's going on and everything how he after he realizes that it's like a real thing, how he just embraces it immediately. Like no, everybody else was like so skeptical of the whole thing and mm. scared. And, and Tim Allen's character is just like, no, let's just go for it. Let's just go for it, man. <laughs> I think that this movie is like what um, that show, uh, the Orville wanted to be the, that, the, the which is also like it's a Seth MacFarlane series that that uh, is it's similar to this, but it's I more know of it. I've never seen it. It's more um, it's more earnest than than this, mm-hmm. and it's not as funny either. Like it's not it's not even trying to be funny, so it doesn't really satirize 
Star Trek or or anything like that. It it tries to kind of do its own thing while taking like genuine like heartfelt inspiration from Star Trek. But the mm-hmm. problem is like the show is just not good. Like I, it I I just don't think it's a very good show. Hmm. This it does satirize those things, both fan culture and like the kind of cheesy, you know, sci-fi like Star Trek. Mm-hmm. But I don't think it does it in any kind of like mean-spirited way or anything like that. I think that it does it also in a in a kind of a loving way. And it's just uh it's kind of just a wholesome sci-fi comedy. Yeah. And I like I like that. Mm-hmm. I, I saw this in the the cheap seats. I remember I wasn't really interested in it when it first came out, but I was like dying to go see a movie and so I went to like the dollar seats mm-hmm. to, <laughs> to to see this. And I was pleasantly surprised. Like I went into it thinking that I was really going to hate it because by this point in 99, I was like pretty jaded mm-hmm. when it, when it came to movies. So I was kind of surprised that I enjoyed this as much as I, as much as I did. And of course, like, you know, you have a really great cast here. Um, in addition to Tim Allen, you have Sigourney Weaver and Alan Rickman who are awesome bringing it. Both of them are really funny. Uh, Tony Shalhoub is really funny in this too, as is Sam Rockwell and Daryl Mitchell. I like I like all of them. this. this it's a great cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's a good movie in the sense that it. And again, going into this, uh, not really knowing what it was going to be, it's a movie that continuously reveals itself to be about more than it had just indicated it was going to be about. So it just kind of keeps, uh, kind of pulling at its ideas. Uh, kind of setting it up with these with with these characters in the situation, and then finding new layers to like what is the what is the story we're telling by telling this uh, tale about these actors being put in the situation in this context where they're expected to be their characters. So it all it also kind of it does work as this sort of satire and uh, and commentary on like what we apply to like art and pop culture like kind of what the roles that we want it to fill and it thinks about that and it really does consider it and it's also just really effortlessly funny about it too so uh i i think it, it it's just a movie that seems very knowledgeable uh about something where like i said if you if someone just comes up to me and say hey do you want to watch this specifically made movie that is very clearly about one franchise in particular that i never really knew that much about i would say i don't know but (laughs) it it works like it helps not really for me not really knowing yeah uh what it was going in (laughs) i i think as much as it is looking at like star trek yeah. as it's as its inspiration i think you could probably apply it to a lot of other yeah you know, a, a, a lot of other things that have like fandoms surrounding them where mm-hmm. you have people who have a hard time separating the person from the character that they love mm-hmm. and and I, and I think that that is kind of an inter- the, the interesting dynamic of this is that like yeah that happens so much in real life where you have mm-hmm. these like fans have these like kind of weird parasocial relationships with with uh actors who they they have a really hard time separating the character from the actor whereas in this in this show they've they are in this movie they they very much have to actually become those characters it it is deeply imperative and crucial that they become who they are thought to be uh so yeah i i think almost in a strange way because it is talking about that I almost wonder if coming to this movie in for the first time in for me in 2022 in a time where thinking about fandom as it sort of usurped uh, so much of popular culture and as like parasocial uh, relationships have become such a common point of conversation in the social media age where it almost feels like this movie is commenting on something that... uh, from the 2022 perspective almost feels redundant in a way but 
it's sort of reaching into the conversations that we're going to be had later. Yeah, it is kind of interesting when you look at it from that perspective. I think it is kind of kind of fascinating. Like it, it, it ends up being a lot more than just like this kind of goofy sci-fi comedy. And and I like that. Like I, yeah. I hope that this that this is a movie that continues to be relevant. And uh like I yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. And also like uh Rain Wilson's in here as one of the aliens, which I thought was interesting because like I totally didn't know that he was in this. So it was really early role for Rain Wilson and, and Justin Long too. Yeah. No, yeah, you can definitely recognize. Uh, I I thought I, I thought I had stumbled upon a, a great uh, re- revelation just now, but just having the uh, just having been scrolling sort of absentmindedly through the film's Wikipedia pages, I was talking uh, where I was going to share a trivia fact that I'll share in a moment. Uh, I was devastated to land on the impact and legacy section, which discusses the exact point I just made. Oh, <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Uh, but, uh, so yeah, I, uh, anyway, the fact that I came to share before I realized that I am incapable of original thought today is <laughs> that, uh, the, the fact that tipped me off to make, to, to that observation in the first place was in the, uh, introduction on the article where it says that in 2013, a, uh, Star Trek fans voted it the seventh best Star Trek movie uh of all time uh and i thought about that like this idea of a movie that's growing in stature over time and so i made that connection in my brain but then i found that that connection's already been made it was still a good connection to make it happens yeah i would uh if you haven't seen galaxy quest i would definitely recommend checking it out even if you're not like a big star trek fan i mean clearly ken and i are not so yeah so uh but uh yeah i mean did not hurt my ability to appreciate this movie not that i have anything against star trek because i no, I, do, just, I don't it just it's just never i just yeah. never yeah when i was little and maybe this is another topic for the show at some point but when i was little i watched star trek the next generation like a whole lot i was really into that one but i never got into the franchise like as much as some people like i didn't have action figures or read books about it or do anything like that so we should probably talk about the next generation at some point on this show all right well i think that that's gonna do it for this month thank you so much for listening you can send us your 90s topics to 90s at filmpulse.net or by sending us a dm on twitter facebook at 90s pod if you could consider reviewing us on itunes that would be very helpful Until next month, for Ken Bakley, my name's Adam Patterson, and this has been Saved by the 90s. Bye, everyone.